Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. The Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers is a hub of activity for people living in the Fishers area. There are meeting rooms, and they're very busy with a variety of community events. The library sponsors its own programs each month. The Ignite Space is a haven for a variety of artistic endeavors. And, of course, there are books, movies, and music you can check out with the library card. I spoke with officials from the Hamilton East Library during the afternoon of Wednesday, July 24th. I'm at the Hamilton East Library here in Fishers. Normally, I start a podcast I record here by uh, trying to do a little promotional activity for the Ignite Space. We're going to talk about the library during the whole podcast today. So I want to welcome to the podcast back two ladies who were with us a couple of years ago, Edra Waterman, who's the library director for the Hamilton East Libraries. That would include both Fishers and Noblesville. And the deputy director of engagement for the library system, that would be Beth Meyer. So Beth and Edra, thank you so much for coming back and spending some time with me. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. Always love to talk about libraries. I think I was telling you. (laughs) Of course you do. My wife is one of the greatest patrons of libraries I know. She constantly reserves books. In fact, she's always saying, are you going to be near City Hall? Are you covering a meeting? (laughs) Would you like to stop and, and pick it up? Of course, that goes on my library card. So I said, okay, just make sure you get it back on time. But, uh, uh, so library, and then when I come in here, and I come in here to record podcasts and and, and you know to to look around the uh, sometimes the reference section, I'm an old reference geek, but I also notice this place is busy. Edra, talk oh, yeah. about yes. how busy. I don't know about Noblesville. I'm not there very often. I'm just, I'm just speaking at Fishers at the moment. This this place is a lively, busy place. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, we kidded no, about that it, earlier. Yeah, okay. it's uh, the it's really interesting. Um, you mentioned Noblesville, and you know we do have the location in Noblesville and the location in Fishers, and they do have a different vibe. Um, the way that people use the space, and um, I think in Fishers it's it's a little different because when you come in to Fishers, you're kind of it's all you see it all right you you come in and you see both sides of the library and everybody's in the middle and in noblesville it's more come in and sort of scatter so both of the libraries are um, we have a lot of door traffic um, and we uh, really appreciate how people have embraced some of the changes that we've made with the spaces so for example here in fishers we've created the the co-working space and the um, all of the with all of the tables and the chairs and the places to plug your laptop in, and we've noticed that people really seem to to value all of those spaces here at Fishers. I never thought about that, but you are right. When you walk into this library, as opposed to Noblesville, mm-hmm. it is a much different look. So I, I never much thought about that. Beth, I want to ask you a question because every time I do come to this library here in <laughs> Fishers. When I say it's busy, they have these glassed in areas. They call them study rooms. I don't know what you call them. People aquariums. People but yeah, aquariums. no, we don't. Thank you. I'm joking. They are always <laughs> occupied. Yes. Always. Yes. Why are they so popular, do you think? I think it goes to along with what Edra was talking about, about people really needing that space or wanting that space, craving the privacy, but also kind of being not like in a coffee shop that's too loud or too busy or too distracting. 
So it offers privacy, but at the same time, it allows you to be part of this bigger community. Um, and my goodness, people, you better be here at 845 in the morning if you mm-hmm. want to snag one. Yeah, so. you, line, you have to line up and yeah. hope to get uh, one of those. A little bit could, of a stampede in the morning. Yeah, and a, that's, I, I've been here at oh, nine yeah. a few times. Stamp, I wouldn't quite call it a stampede, but it's a it's a fast walk. Depends on the morning. Yeah, it depends on the morning. you gotta you got to be fast on your feet. It's so. always interesting to talk to people who... Um, maybe don't go to their library or who haven't been to the library since either they had kids or they were a kid. And they're always amazed if they come when we open at the line outside mm-hmm. the door. Um, we have it mm-hmm. at Noblesville too, because mm-hmm. uh, Noblesville also has uh, people aquariums. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they're not, they're, they're set up a little differently in Noblesville, but they're the same concept. And that, that idea of the library as a a public space is something that is becoming more and more rare in our world. And so that's one of the things I think that people truly value when they come into our spaces is this idea that, you know, I don't have to go to the coffee shop, like Beth said, I don't have to do this in my garage, or if I don't have a garage, if I live in an apartment, I can go, especially with Ignite here at Fisher's now, I can go to the library and use that public space to do the things I need to do to spread out, to have a big table, um, to paint which is a new thing for us. We'll talk about that right now because uh, I, I, what I've been trying to do in my most recent podcast when I record here is just to try to promote the Ignite space and try to promote uh, people coming and taking tours. Beth, I remember this. This is funny. Uh, before, oh no, this is funny. Before <laughs> before this space was open, I recorded in a different space upstairs. Yeah. And I do remember there were some uh, several school board candidates that were being interviewed. Right. And uh, those usually get a lot of listenership. People are interested in what the school board members are saying, who they are. They don't always know who they are. And I really hadn't received any information from you, anything to promote. So I just thought, well, I'll just promote the, the Book a Library. Uh, sure. Book a Librarian program where you can book a librarian for, what, 30 minutes or so, and they, yep. they can show you some of the ways to use technology and so forth in the library. So I start promoting that. After several podcasts, I remember <laughs> I was scheduled to come for one, and you met me at the door... <laughs> Saying, Larry, I want you to promote this. We have booked all the librarians. <laughs> I remember that as well. You were very successful at getting the word out. Well, I felt good. We that were I, so uh, appreciative <laughs> that we a, had to stop to a point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll stay with you, Beth, because we're in the ignite space, and yes. I can't think of anything more engaging for the public than to come here. That's why I encourage people to come and take these tours because you have to see it. Uh, to believe it. Right. So explain, I mean, this is always busy. I mean, there have been a, well, been a few times it's been a little down, maybe if the weather is, is nice and people want to get outside. But uh, other than that, every time I walk through here, there's a lot of activity going on. Explain, well, let me let me go back a little bit, because you and I, I remember, saw each other at a, one of the early meetings as to how to deal with this space. For those who don't know, this is where Launch Fishers was hatched. It was here for several years. Now it's in bigger quarters. So when this was vacant, there were meetings. What should we do with this space? Right, Explain, lots of meetings. Ex- I was at one, but I know you had more <laughs> than one. My question to you was, how did you folks here at the library come to the decision to do what you're doing now? That is a really good question, and that involved more in- – it involved community members. I think Edra can probably speak okay. to, like, Nickel Plate and Ailey and okay. our – So um, as, as you know, Larry, um, launch – 
just came in, I think, in 2012 to 2015, mm-hmm. 16, so 15. Feels it was approved in 2012. Yeah. yeah so uh, we, at kind of at the same time that that launch came in, we had started doing a strategic plan um, to really dig into what it is that what what can the library be? What does the library need to be? What does our community need? How do we leverage the resources we have to best create connections in this community and serve the community? And one of the things that bubbled to the top when we were doing that process was this real interest and desire and craving for art, for space for art, for public space, um, for ways for people to go beyond you know, the kind of traditional library program craft kind of thing and really have a place for um, artists of of all types and um, people who were not artists to really get in touch with their creativity and making. And that that bubbled up in the, the strategic plan that we did prior to when we really focused in on what to do with this space. So we knew that that was a need in our community. And we also knew that we had 15,000 square feet of space coming open. <laughs> <laughs> so um, where we kind where we went with that was we did, we did kind of a space planning assessment as part of this too and got some more feedback. And then to best Point she mentioned nickel plate arts. Um, we worked with Ailey um, on a lot of this and nickel plate arts. And we pulled in, you know, uh, people from the artist community, the Fisher's Arts Council, um, and talked to them about what what do you want? What's ideal? What's what could happen here? And then as we honed in on what it is that we thought we could really do, um, it really became clear that we could do this. You know, this is something that that we could create and it fit with the library's mission of creating connection. Um, The idea of having a maker space, a place to come and make and be creative, fit in with STEM and STEAM concepts that the schools are doing. It fits in with um, what our communities, both in Noblesville and Fishers, want to do with their cultural arts districts. So it really was something that we had started planning this in such a way that it came online at exactly the right time. Because we were part of Fisher's application for the Cultural Arts District for mm. the Nickel Plate. Okay. And um, I think that that was, you know, just we were just another great thing that they could point to. This is a Cultural Arts District. Look, they have a maker, we have a makerspace. And it's open to everybody. <laughs> and you're so, right in the center of the Nickel Plate District yeah, at this I mean, library. Exactly. And and so it really fits well with what our community wants. It fits well with what it is that people were missing, you know, in our community. And we feel like it fits right smack dab in the middle of what libraries do, which is to support discovery and exploration for people to get in touch with what it is that they want to do to make their lives better. So this is just another aspect of what we already do by providing access to things that people might not have on their own. You know, Beth, I remember that meeting I went to, and you would, uh, it was you or someone else, I think it was someone else who gave the presentation, sort of gave an example of the Bloomington, Indiana Library, how right. they had uh, uh, brought space like this. Then you showed the Orlando, Florida Library. <laughs> this is like the state-of-the-art library where you could go in and cut an album, even if you're right. a famous actor, video. You've got some really nice equipment That's here. That's accurate, yeah. Uh, very impressed with it, uh, with video and audio equipment that, that you've put into this space. And I love recording here because you cannot find acoustics really as, <laughs> as good as the acoustics are in the saving room we're in now. So I, I, it's really great that you had this available for the public. But another thing you have, and I don't know who wants to talk about this, I would, 3D printers, they, they don't come across, <laughs> they're not available just everywhere. 
Well, they're not available to everyone. Mm -hmm. They are kind of ubiquitous in a lot of libraries and a lot of spaces. Um, I don't. I haven't been to Hub and Spoke, but I think. Well, they're not. They're not constructed yet. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I haven't looked at like their plans or anything. But I have a feeling that's the direction they're going. And so, but the idea that makes us a little different, in my opinion, is what Edra said. Everybody who comes in, once you go through certification, Mm -hmm. because we want to walk. We want to balance on that line between accessibility and safety. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yes. and we want to make sure that people do get a chance. One of the things I think we do really well is providing people an opportunity to try stuff that they don't, like you said, you don't just stumble across a 3D printer, but honestly, you don't stumble across a typewriter these days. And we've got one of those as well. <laughs> just putting that out there. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you okay. need to type yourself a letter, we've got it. So, okay. um we do try to meet that need. Well, and our approach is a little different too. When we um, when we built the fabrication lab, the um, and we brought Caitlin on board early to cut to develop. And she's the director. Of Caitlin the, Coyne is the yes. uh, the manager of the Ignite Space, sure. and she's uh, she was really instrumental in creating a vision and a, and a mission and a guiding a guiding principle for Ignite that fits within the library's mission, vision, and guiding principles. And she came up with the pedagogy that is our approach to how we teach people and how the people use this space. So this is very much a self-directed space. We provide, um, to Beth's point, when we have equipment that have, you know, lasers <laughs> and they etch things sharp. and, you know, <laughs> cutting, sharp. all of that, um, we do uh, require that people complete a certification course. And it's a pretty, and, I it's mean, a it's a couple intense, hours, yeah. you know, and then you get hands-on with the equipment. But once we do that, we don't hold your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a space where you come in and someone guides you through how to use this or how to create or you do this craft that we make and you put it together in the way we tell you. It's very much a place to get in touch with who you are and what you want. Um, Caitlin, the the thing that she taught is hands in the pockets. It's the hands in the pockets approach to, to helping someone as you – you you keep your hands in your pockets and you let them do it. Yes. You know you you make sh- you, you let people just really experience what we have and and how we do it, while of course being <laughs> being safe. Sorry, say, and, yeah. and our three D printers, the thing that's different is a lot of places you do the design on the and then you hand it to the person who works there and then they go print it, and then you come back and you pick it up, and that is not what we do. You mm. get checked out on the three D printer, you do it all yourself. You know, once you're trained to do it through the certification class, you load the filament, mm-hmm. you design the item, you make sure it has all of the things that it needs to work in the in the printer, and and you do it. And it's it's a great. And when experience. it doesn't, that's okay too because right, exactly. we celebrate that as well. <laughs> as long Oops. as you're not hurting yourself, exactly. Yeah. We don't, or no anyone burns. else, yeah. You know, We're we don't want chill. people etching themselves. Right. <laughs> we want it to stay on the acrylic. That would stay. Yeah, I, I stay that. away from that equipment for that very reason. I don't. <laughs> to think be I honest, would, uh, I do too. Yeah. I, I gotta be really honest. <laughs> I have not I'll been point certified. To it. So yeah, I've not been certified. I'm not allowed in there as well. Well, one thing this has done, and also all the recovery you had from the from from the uh, water emergency yeah. you had a while back, is you got more meeting space uh, than you had before. I think. Oh, you look at me like maybe that's not the case. I well, I don't think we have like dedicated meeting rooms. We do have the rooms upstairs and the east hallway, 
And um, I think it feels like there's more meeting room space because of the atrium, because we've got the furniture out. So people do have mm-hmm. meetings out there. They're not disturbing anybody. They're allowed to have normal conversations, have charts and posters right. and what have you. Okay. But we don't have – we didn't add any additional we, – We created a lot of um, – Semi-private is what I like to call it, even though it's not really <laughs> private at all. But, you know, you can push four tables together and, and have a group project meeting without having to have a separate room. That's true. I've and seen a lot of that. And we didn't have all of that before. Mm-hmm. We had we had a shelves. lot of... We just had shelves. Right, there were shelves out there. Of shelves. And um, we've, we've just thoughtfully redesigned the space so that we can still have the, you know, the ample collections that we have. But we also have that that thing that people want most, which is space, you know, public space to be in. So what, explain to me the types of groups that request meeting space. What types of groups do you oh. like to cater to? I mean, I'm what? just, I know you can't list them all. Name a group, some, and we'll tell you group. whether or not they've asked us. <laughs> so it's a wide variety yeah, is absolutely. what you're saying. You really we, can't think of any examples. Right, we don't we require, of, we try to make, uh, one of our things that we focus on is how do we reduce barriers to access? Whether it's a barrier to access to the uh, to the materials, whether it's a barrier of access to the space, what does that is that and does it make sense? When it's a safety issue, that's one thing. But one of the things with our meeting room policies is we are pretty wide open. We do mm-hmm. not require that you have a 501c3 status. Mm-mm. We do not require that um, you prove to us really much of anything. What I you're mean, doing. It needs to be not-for-profit, and um, it needs to be six or more people. And that's and somebody with a library card. Yeah, number. we don't. And mm-hmm. someone has to have a library card to book it. And that person's responsible to make sure but they don't, you know. I'm trying to think like we've got HOAs, or, we've mm-hmm. got gamers, we've got yeah. moms groups, dads groups. Seriously, name a group. Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. Home Scouts in general. Yeah, you name it. We've it's, got them meeting here. And the library also sponsors programs itself. Uh, give me some examples <laughs> there of some programs that you offer. Uh, just I mean, again, you can't list them all, but give no. some examples if you can. So just regularly, we offer your normal fare, your story times, your baby times, your musically. You know, we have musical. Um, I don't want to call them numbers. Performers come. Mr. Dan, the if friends you're familiar of the with Mr. Daniel, series. yeah. yeah. Um, the friends of the library tend to fund a lot of our music programs, mm-hmm. which we're really yep. lucky. They're very supportive. We have your book clubs, but then we kind of go outside of that. So we have um, we have a we have our book clubs. Some of our book clubs happen in bars because we understand the people like to read, but they like to be social. So we have books on tap. Um, we have uh, – I'm trying to think of all of the things. We have big events like we're going to have our author fair coming up this fall. We are going to have um, a preschool fair. So all of the local preschools will use our atrium to show off to families why they are the best preschool. We're having our first how-to festival at the end of September where we're inviting all sorts of people from the community to show um, the rest to. of the community yeah. <laughs> how to do stuff. So, and I did uh, was approached about that. Shocking! I think I might have dropped your name. I'm so, just no. saying. Was well, so it? Sorry, I, if it was I could me. possibly make it, I will. I've got. I think right. you gave me the date. I've tried mm-hmm. to re- to reserve that as best I can. Yeah, but, we are not. We are not above roping in the people that we hang out with. Well, and one yeah. of the cool programs we had this summer was uh, astronaut David Wolf. Oh my gosh! Was I was about to ask you about oh, that. I wanted to go because, gosh. but there was a city council meeting that yeah. night. So, yeah. how did that work out? <laughs> It was the most extraordinary event. He showed up in his flight suit. He drove through floods. The man who has survived outer space 
And we had, our community was so amazing. We had over 350 people. Most of the questions were asked by children, and they were amazing questions. So he was thrilled. We were thrilled. People were weeping. Former classmates of his were coming up and clapping him on the back. It was both like little children and older children getting excited about space and science and then his old friends getting excited because they knew him and it was just the best event and we couldn't have asked for a better time and our um, librarian Julian Julia Wellsen who works out of Noblesville she had been working tirelessly since last November mm-hmm. to secure him so that's the kind of stuff that goes in we have these events and people come and they're like oh this is great and the amount of sweat and blood and literal tears that go into it you don't always know but it was that was marvelous a great event. yeah marvelous so we'll see more programs like that you think or? yes we because they're just so successful we've got a teen author coming this yeah Matt Lapena is coming in October because uh, ALA has decided traditionally they had one week that was dedicated to teen services and highlighting teens and celebrating teens they've decided to make it an entire month so we are following suit and Matt Lapena is coming we're giving away some of his books um, we're just super excited about that because we've got some new blood in our young adult planning team. Yeah, it's very <laughs> exciting. So, uh, Andrew, yeah. I want to ask you a question because I think uh, talking to people throughout the community, uh, there's a lack of understanding on how libraries are funded and governed. I mean, you, you have a, a basically a tax levy that goes to the library. You also have a library board where the people are appointed by political bodies and then they come right. and they have independent work that they do on the library. So just kind of explain in a little more detail how libraries in Indiana work and how they're funded, how they're governed, and how the board works. How much think, time you got, Larry? I was going to say. There's, a, there's, a of, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. I'd right, like you to set right. the record I, I think a lot of people assume that the library is a department of city government or county government. And in Indiana, libraries are uh, independent taxing units. So the library is governed by an appointed board. And the reason for that is to try to keep political stuff out of the library so that the library can be for everyone and apolitical and really try to focus on creating spaces and services to serve the community without having politics get in the way. So the board is appointed by um, the county council, the county commissioners, and the school boards. Mm -hmm. So we have an appointee from HSE. We have two appointees, three, two appointees from Noblesville schools. Mm -hmm. And that's because the library was originally Noblesville Library, mm-hmm. so the Noblesville schools get two. Um, and then the county council okay. and the commissioners each appoint, each appoint yeah. two. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the board does levy a tax. Um, the, uh, the ability of the board to do that is restricted within a, a window. So it's not like they can just go completely crazy and say, we want this huge tax. Um, it's all very much overseen by, by the, the county council, actually. But um, the budget is set by the board. Um, these appointees from these elected officials, uh, the board uh, approves our policies. The board, the board is involved, the citizen board is involved in uh, developing our strategic plan. They approve all of the financial expenditures that we have. When we did all of our strategic planning and community input, the board was very involved in all of that. Um, every one of them lives in the library district. Um, they are your neighbors. <laughs> so uh, the um, – but, yeah, but the library has a separate tax. We receive uh, property taxes to support the library. We receive local income taxes that support the library. And that is really the majority of our funding is those two sources. Fine. 
and uh, finds the fees are super super teeny. I do remember Beth when uh, you had I was at that one meeting discussing the future of this space. The one point that was made several times is that. We've set aside the money to do this work, and there will be no tax increase as a result of the uh, improvements that we're making here. We really had to hammer that because I think when people – first of all, I love the show. I just need to say I love the show Parks and Rec, but it has ruined a lot of people (laughs) as how libraries are funded. Like Edra said, they think we're we're part of city government or county government, and so there is a lot of misunderstanding. And – to talk about the money already being set aside was really hard for people to understand. Like, we weren't going to be robbing you. We weren't going to charge more. We right. had the money. And, and just so there. you know, our tax rate is mm-hmm. like four cents. <laughs> so it's 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 a very – we have a very low tax rate yeah. because we're very fortunate to be in a, a thriving and growing community right. with um, very strong uh, assessed value and growth. So we get – the the services and the resources that our taxpayers receive from the library are amazing, especially for the yeah. cost of admission being so. But low. we don't. Yeah, we definitely because it was a five million. You know, people see five million and mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. we had put that aside over the years to do some to do something. Okay, so you basically knew this was happening, so you were setting money aside year after year to to do this. We knew that we would need to change with the times. Sure. So part of that thinking was. What can what do we need to be doing with these these funds we're setting aside? Um, and part of that calculation is also, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've had some roofers on the building here, and we do have some facility issues that we need to deal with over the next several years. So we're actually right now doing a facilities master plan in order to, you know, we don't we want to make sure that we are planning for the future, not just building fancy new things like Ignite that are cool, but also making sure that the roof doesn't leak, you know, and that we can replace the carpet when it wears out and that we can paint the walls and all of those things. So we're working on on that as we look at figuring out how to fund those things going into the future. Well- I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think that's one of the least talked about and most exciting parts of our jobs is um, trying to think, like trying to see around the corner, trying to think two years, three years, five years out. We don't get too ambitious, but we do. I think we do stretch ourselves to about two or three years. Well, and and one of the big things coming is the the trail, right? I mean, trails right next door to the library. I mean, you can. We can stand at literally the store throw a rock. throw a rock and hit the trail. <laughs> so what does that mean? How how does the library become part of the experience that people on the trail have? How do we make sure that we're still able to serve the community coming into the more traditional library as well as being welcoming to the folks around the trail? So those are all things that we're talking about. Um, and it's as we think about funding and as we think about, um, you know, what what can we do without raising taxes, because we don't want to do that, you know, but we have the capacity, you know, to think about some of these things, but we need to plan for it before we, we need to know what we want to do before we think about how the money, honestly. And that really brings me to a question I was going to ask, because, you know, public libraries are at the center of American communities from the days of Benjamin Franklin, who had the original idea, correct? (laughs) Hope I have my history right. Yeah, yeah, yes. And so with that in mind, you've already talked about this. Talk a little more, if you would, either one or both of you, 
Well, we're, what's the future of libraries? I mean, we've always thought about books. I've always been here. You both are book fans, uh-huh. but you also <laughs> avail yourself. My wife is a huge book fan. I, I do. She reads fiction. I need Ron. Uh-huh. I read nonfiction, but we both love reading. So, with that in mind, and and with the changes technologically and how right. people read, how people use technology, you have music, you have movies. You know, CDs and all these different things, or DVDs. So tell me where you think, uh, with all that in mind and all that you're doing with Ignite and all these other things, where are the libraries going in general, do you think? Well, I think the word that you used a lot in the sentences you just talked about was the word people. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that um, is always really funny to me is one of the things, when you tell someone you're a librarian, they're like, oh, it must be nice (laughs) to sit around and read books all day. (laughs) Oh, and, right. and and oh, I always you. say, yeah, wow, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> nice work if but, you can get it. Yeah. But and and books are part of it. You know, libraries. Uh, this idea of of you know, books are a symbol, really, more than they are what they are. They're a symbol of stories. They're a symbol of information. They're a symbol of knowledge. And so, libraries will always be associated with books, and that's great. That's great. But libraries have public libraries specifically have always been highly engaged and highly concerned with community and the people in our communities. So our number one concern in this library is people, is, is the, the people that we serve, the people in our buildings, the people in our communities, and how can we make sure that those people have access to the things that they need to make their lives better. And a lot of times that's a picture book, right? Or, or it's a space. Or it's a it's a room or it's a or it's a play kitchen <laughs> or it's a paint kit. Or um, you know, so what we do is we try to stay really engaged with our community so that we are planning and understanding what we need to be to to basically create access to resources for people to make their lives better. And back in the day, a lot of times that was books. Mm-hmm. You know, that was newspapers. That was, you know, you didn't well, have they already the ability had community. to have that. They yeah. already had community in a much different way. And as we grow as a community and as a culture, we're lacking that community. And that's, I think, what we're trying to um, provide. Right. Creating a space, uh, a physical space for connection to happen. And for those who are who don't who don't want to come into the physical space you mentioned the virtual resources <laughs> mm-hmm. so ebooks we have you know providing access to ebooks for people that can't afford to buy it you know it's really easy to go on amazon and download a book but it's 12.99 mm-hmm. and if you don't have an unlimited supply of 12.99s mm-hmm. you know you're not going to you're going to hit a wall but what we can do is we can provide access to to those ebooks in a way that is a community resource that people can share so that's that's really how we look at at those kinds of things and making sure that we're providing access to those things. And I don't think print books are going anywhere, by the way. People ask – people love books. And there is – I mean, I think with children especially, there's something that is intrinsic about learning to turn the pages of a book and looking at pictures in a book. Um, and you can see that in the, the response that the city has in the partnership we have with StoryWalk. So we have actual physical pages of a book in a frame on a post in, <laughs> in the, the woods. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, so I think that it's all about people. I mean, you know, the the people that work here are here because they want to help other people, not necessarily because they love books, although we we all do. <laughs> so Any yeah. thoughts along those lines? Well, um 
it, I was going to say, I was, I was waiting for the it's all about the people um, because I'm lucky enough I get to teach public library services at IUPUI and I'm actually currently working on my syllabus. And that's one of the, the opening video. I'm sure I get a lot of raised eyebrows, but I will tape my, you know, I film. And um, I basically say, you know, if the idea of being in a quiet place is appealing to you, don't come into my industry. <laughs> if the uh, idea of being yelled at because someone's having a bad day is not appealing to don't come into my industry. Do not gum up my works. And I'm speaking just to the public service side of it. There's lots of behind the scenes that most people don't know about. Um, <clears throat> not encouraging people to be curmudgeonly there either, but I'm just saying it's, it's so much about listening to when people complain or they praise or they just have a problem and they just need help. Help looks different to everybody. Right. The best librarians, and I'm including all library staff in this, have a very strong streak of curiosity. So one of the things that is appealing, I think, to a lot of our really great staff is when there is a problem or that they can solve, we're going to hunt this down (laughs) and we're going to Google, we're going to, we're going to take Google and we're going to make it work for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I think that uh, if you, you know, our, our staff are, are kind of united in that, you know, we're going to figure this out. We had a guy who came in because he'd locked his keys in somewhere. <laughs> and he's like, he came to the library. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Weird, right? And and so, but our staff were like, okay, maybe we can find a broom handle. Let's get it. Let's go to Ignite. I bet they've got masking tape. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can get him a line that he could mm-hmm. fish down, you know, and, and that's just... That's those that's are the kinds of people that work here, right? If you are curious and you want to help people, that's what makes a good librarian, not if you want to read all day. The reference librarians have bailed me out more times than you can imagine. <laughs> so, uh, and it was yeah. Did you lose the, your keys? Was that, it wasn't was that the key. Okay, okay. Usually, it was usually when I was stuck at home and just before the internet days. Oh, yeah. Right. I would call the, or the reference librarian and say, look, I, and they, oh, let me check it out. I'll call you back. Call right. me right back. Yeah, here's the answer. One of the librarian's superpowers that I think we've lost touch with is being able to turn to the page in the dictionary that the word you need is on, or encyclopedia. We all had that. Oh, I think it'll be about... (laughs) There it is. (laughs) So, so, yeah, I mean, I've been in it long enough to... There was always the... I mean, the internet started in 95, World Wide Web, and that's when I started graduate school. Oh, so okay. I came through when it was really kind of half and half. I mean, we were still doing searches on all of this stuff. For <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so having the, I remember having the books and understanding the books and I, yeah. and I remember when the vertical file was replaced by the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an interesting, Our well, time, that was the rabbit hole. Time's up. Yeah. Time, time goes fast when you're having a good time and we are, but I have one last question for each of you. I know you always and I looked at your website. You encourage people to give you input, to give you feedback all the time. What's the best way to do that? Um, the best way to reach out? We have yeah. – uh, there's a number of ways. So really I would say the best way is the way that you are most comfortable with. So what we typically do is however someone reaches out to us, that's how we reach back. Mm-hmm. So people can call. They can email. They can leave a comment on um, our social media. They can um, stop by. They can stop by, talk mm-hmm. to us in person. Um, all of those – communication paths are going to get you a person who will respond to you in the way that you reached out. I have sent letters in the mail because that's how people have reached out to me. I we will always respond. That is impressive. Maybe on that typewriter. I'm telling you, it's it's right over there, Larry. I'm happy to show it to you. As long I I have no fear the books will ever go out of date if people are still listening to music on vinyl. 
good point. Accurate. And Accurate. That is that is a, a trend now. Mm-hmm. People miss the vinyl. Yeah. Or people who were alive uh, right. when vinyl was big. So I thought, okay, that's if that can happen, anything can happen. I'm predicting the next trend. We're going to see the rotary phone come back. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's an official prediction. From <laughs> that is a li- an official prediction. From a librarian yes. problem solver. It's true, yes. yes. <laughs> I want to thank Edra Waterman and Beth Meyer. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. Enjoy thank talking you, Larry. To Thanks, again. Larry. Always appreciate it. My thanks to the Hamilton East Library for providing an update on what's happening at the library right here in Fishers. This is the Larry in Fishers podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I write the LarryInFishers.com local news blog from Fishers, Indiana. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.